what marketing does and what, what thinking about your audience does when you create content is it actually makes the content easier to write because knowing your target audience gives you a framework for developing your content. For example, if you're trying to write something that everybody will read and agree with, almost nobody's going to read it and agree with it. And one of the great things about content marketing is you don't necessarily have to focus on one audience all the time. Just focus on one audience for whatever piece you're writing. Hi everyone, welcome to the Build Your Book podcast. This is your host, Aaron Bear and Double Tank. Every week, we bring to you stories about the legal profession to help lawyers build a better book of business, a better practice, and a better life. Let's get started. I became a lawyer at one of Canada's top law firms, and I would have thought there would have been so many people I could look to for advice on business development. But I really didn't find it there. There didn't seem to be any consistency. There didn't really seem to be too much training. Certainly nothing that resonated with me. And I realized I needed something more. And that's the reason I hired a coach. But a coach isn't for everybody. It can be expensive, right? You may not have that support. And so we wanted to find a way where we could take knowledge from legal experts like myself and knowledge from sales experts like Dowell and bring it together for people in a cost-effective way, but still give people incredible quality build a community, you know, help people be accountable, all that sort of good stuff. And that's what we're doing with the Build Your Book Academy. There are two different ways you can access the content. The first is an asynchronous series of videos that we're going to constantly be updating. It's going to have a series of exercises, videos, stories, all those kind of things you need if you've got that own in, your own internal accountability to do it yourself. But we know for most lawyers, and I know from my own personal experience, that isn't enough. You need something a little bit more hands-on, something that holds you a little bit more accountable, and something where you get some feedback live in real time. And that's where we're launching our cohorts, the Build Your Book Academy Live. Small groups of lawyers working together, learning from each other, and learning from legal and sales experts. You can learn more about all of this and sign up at buildyourbook.org academy. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Build Your Book podcast. I am uh, really excited to have a, a good friend of ours, Heidi Turner, join our podcast mm -hmm. today. Uh, lovely to have you this Saturday morning and all the way from Vancouver, Canada, or Abbotsford, Canada. So it's wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on and to be speaking with you again. Excellent. Well, you know, I'll give you a bit of an uh, intro to who Heidi is. You know, since 2006, She's been writing content, marketing content for law firms, for software companies, for technical organizations, and she's helped these organizations create incredible content, create incredible pieces of, of, uh, of ideas that attracts clients, that builds brands. Her blog posts, legal articles, white papers, case studies have helped so many people grow a list of qualified leads, bring in new business, um, and she does this professionally. So it's wonderful mm -hmm. to have you on. And we can't wait to get into a bunch of ideas um, about how our listeners can use some of the ways that you approach content and how they can sort of use it for their own practice. Um, really, my first question to you is like, hey, how did you get into this? How did you get into, because you, by training, are you're not a lawyer, but how did you end up in this space? 
Uh, well, you know what? It's actually, <laughs> it's interesting. I'm not a lawyer at all. Uh, but when I was growing up, actually, my two big things that I wanted to be in life were a writer or a lawyer. Um, the third one was a dancer, but that's a much younger <laughs> dream. Um, <laughs> I wanted to be a writer or a lawyer, and I went to university, got my bachelor's degree, and I was actually considering going into law. Uh, it was something I was really interested in. I love the law. I love all aspects of the law. I love what the law does for society and how it helps people. And I actually did the LSATs and was looking at applying at law schools. And it just didn't quite feel like the right fit for me. Something felt off about it. I, I wasn't sure 100% about it. And then I read about a writing program that I could take and that felt like a more natural fit. And so I went into that. And when I graduated from the program, I was actually hired right out of the program by a legal marketing firm. So it was kind of a perfect intersection of the two things that I had loved growing up and wanted to do. And from there, I really uh, built my specialty. And it's been almost, you know, coming up to two decades. Well, oh, no. my God. Yeah, almost, almost two decades now, right? You started in 2006 and here I you started- are. Yes. <laughs> Hard to believe. I cannot believe it's been that long that I've been doing this now. And you also sort of become uh, an instructor because you teach at a Simon Fraser University up in Canada, um, and you're really having a big impact in this space. But it's it's the incredible thing about your content is that your, your pieces are not these dense technical things that don't get read, but there's a real sort of mm-hmm. humanity to them uh, because you're doing some incredible things with... Uh, uh, in much more um, leadership articles, creating course content, marketing content. You're doing a bit of that as well. So tell us, you know, you just started that uh, back in November 2020. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Sure. And um, thank you so much. I've really become over the last little while more focused on the plain language movement. And um, I've also heard it referred to not as plain language, but clear communication. And I think often that's something that gets lost a lot Um, and and it's a natural thing to get lost. But I think it's so important to remember the audience that we're writing for and what they do and don't understand about something Um, just because they haven't been exposed to it because it's not in their world. And law is one of those things that's not in everybody's world. We're all aware of it. We all see legal shows on TV. We think we know a lot about it. When it comes down to it, though, most people out there in the world who aren't lawyers don't have a great grasp or understanding of a lot of the terms and the jargon, the phrases that get used, certainly the Latin phrases that get used. And so that means that they get really lost in the content that they're reading, or as you said, they just don't read it. And so one of the things that I push for is not necessarily um, plain language all the time. There are times when you need to use the technical language, you need to use the jargon, you need to reach out to the highly specialized audience, But when you're not reaching out to those people, you really need to think about the language your audience understands and what they want to read. And I think that's something that sometimes gets lost, um, sometimes because of how we were trained um, in the legal world. Obviously, lawyers, when they go through law, law school, they're writing for judges, they're writing briefs, they're writing academically. They're not writing marketing writing. So it's not a case of, you know, that it's anybody's fault or that there's you know, they know that they should be doing this. They've been trained to write in one way, which is very academic and very technical. That's not necessarily what's going to draw in an audience. That's not what's going to make what you write all that engaging. And so that's really what I've started to focus 
more and more on in the last few years is getting at what audiences want to read, what they can read, and what is engaging for them, not just what, for example, the clients, the lawyers, the law firms necessarily want to put out. Because ultimately, if you're writing something, you're writing it so that it gets read. You want people to read it. You don't just want to put it out there and, you know, hope a couple of people notice the title and skim through it. You actually do want them to read it and feel engaged. And that's how you draw an audience in. I love that. This idea, what a radical idea to think about your audience, think about <laughs> your reader before writing stuff out as, as a means of sort of chest, chest thumping and saying how great we are and how smart we are. And I'd love to understand a bit about, you know, if, how do you approach a piece of content? Is that how you start? Do you set a strategy first? And, and how, how can a listener start thinking about a strategy for their content? Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a bit of a strategy. Um, the first thing is always understanding who the target audience is. And so by target audience, I mean, who are the people that you want not only reading this piece, but also acting on it? Um, and you know, you can think there might be a couple of different target audiences, depending on the type of firm you're running, um, the type of practice you have, but you don't want to think of too many. Otherwise, you try to throw too much information. You try to be too broad, and that doesn't help your audience at all. So the first thing is really getting down to who are the people that you want to read your document and act on it. And then so, I sort of start to build out the content from that. So let, let, me, let me just interject before you continue on with the rest of your strategy. You know, one of the things that we hear all the time from our clients is that, well, okay, if I end up being too specific, if I niche down too much with my content, my ideas, my marketing, my brand, et cetera, I'm going to lose out on, on this other universe of people out there. And they're, they're really afraid. They're really scared to sort of niche down. And I wonder what you would tell them. Sure. And that's a very understandable and, as you said, a very common fear. And it's one that I've even had when I've been building my business as a freelancer, as a business owner. Um, and a lot of people do worry about that. You don't have to get so granular that you're down to, you know, the very minute details of who a person is and who this audience is. But you do need to kind of know the types of people or organizations you like to work with the best. What marketing does and what, what thinking about your audience does when you create content is it actually makes the content easier to write because knowing your target audience gives you a framework for developing your content. And what I mean by that is, for example, if you're trying to write something that everybody will read and agree with, almost nobody's going to read it and agree with it because you'll be including too much, you'll have too much information in there you won't really have a focus. Um, there won't be a lot of logic to what you're writing. So when you're focused on a specific audience or type of audience, a target market, you can really start to focus a lot more on what they need, what questions they have, what are their problems and what are their pain points that you're solving. And one of the great things about content marketing is you don't necessarily have to focus on one audience all the time. Just focus on one audience for whatever piece you're writing. So one of the great things about having a blog or putting out thought leadership articles or writing case studies even, you can write a different blog post or a different case study for a different audience if you really want to reach a variety of different audiences. But on the whole, when you're thinking of writing one piece, think of a target audience for that one piece 
And that will actually help you narrow your focus and really determine what it is you need to be writing about. It'll set sort of parameters for writing it so you don't get overwhelmed thinking you have to write everything for everybody. That is brilliant. I, I love that idea of that the strategy or this target audience you're coming up with doesn't apply at all times. It applies on a per piece basis, mm -hmm. and that's totally okay. And you know, it's something that we tell a lot of our clients is that your target audience, you know, you might think you're losing out on a lot of people, but your target audience is like setting a destination in your GPS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're 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 heading in that direction. That doesn't mean you're not going to see all the other things mm -hmm. on the road. You know, you set your GPS to Disney World or Disneyland, you'll see a bunch of other sites along the way, mm -hmm. and you'll get that experience as well. But you're going to really reach the people that you need to reach, and that's that's where you want to be. So, th I that's, think that's a, a really thing. important and great point. And that is another another thing to keep in mind. If you write a great article that appeals to one audience. You don't, you're not saying to every other audience, you can't read this. Other people will read it and they will see your expertise. They will see your authority shining through and they will be drawn to it. But the, it'll be easier for them to do it because you've had that framework in mind. Like you said, you've had that destination in mind. And then they can reach out to you and you can certainly help them. Nobody's saying don't help anyone who reaches out to you. But like you said, having that roadmap in mind makes it easier to get to where you want to be going. That's fantastic. So, okay. Step one, I've set my target audience. What comes next? So when you know your target audience, that makes it a lot easier to ask what are their pain points? What are the things that keep them up the night at night that I can help them with, that I am the best to help them with, or that I am equipped to help them with? And how do I solve those pain points? How do I help them? What are the things that they need to know? And that, again, is why it's great to have a target audience. Different groups of people will have different needs. They will have different pain points. You can't address all of them. So picking the one audience, figuring out their pain points. And when you do that, it can be as simple as just thinking through meetings, a lot of introductory meetings or consultations you've had. What are the common questions that you get asked? What are the themes that most commonly come up? What are the stresses that these people are coming in with the most? How are you helping them the most? If you're getting testimonials and hopefully you're collecting positive reviews and doing some debriefing with clients afterwards, what are the things that they're saying about how you help them? Pay attention to sort of what people are saying to you when they come to you. Pay attention to what people out there in the world are talking about. What are other people in your industry talking about? Um, is there something happening at this time? Are there changes in the rules that would affect your clients? Things like that. So you want to think of a target audience, but then you kind of want to think broadly how is my audience affected by certain issues and how do I help people with those issues or how can I help them understand these issues a little bit better? So, so far into the process, we haven't even opened up the Word document or a Google Doc <laughs> to write yep. anything. And this is such an important point and I really want our listeners to understand this because a lot of people think that that writing and ideas, it's, it's sort of like a manic um, <sighs> experience where you open up a Word document and you just throw everything mm -hmm. you on there and you're now adding a strategy to it. So you're, you're really in this second part of it is saying, understand the audience. Like first you find the audience you want to serve, then do a deep dive and understand exactly what resonates with them. And, and I'm curious, how would you actually organize this? Because you, you kind of gave a couple of buckets. You talked about testimonials, you talk about mm -hmm. Um, uh, their pain points, the questions they keep coming up with again and again. But something our listeners often struggle with is, 
So what do I just dump everything that they're talking about in in like a single place? Am I writing a single article? Should this be five hundred articles? Like what exactly? Or is this question too premature? Is there a step that comes in between this and actually writing the article? So what what would you say is the next step once you're kind of collecting this nebulous blob of stuff out there about about your audience? That, yeah, that's a great question. So when I collect this, when I advise people on collecting this, I say open one document, write down all of the ideas that you have. Just get them out there, get them down and get them in one place. Number one, what that does is it allows you to see themes and it allows you to see where certain questions and ideas are interrelated and other things are sort of off there on their own. You're not going to be writing about this all in one document. There's just far too much to cover for it ever to be just one document. But when you start to write these things down, more and more and more ideas will come to you and you'll start to see how many ideas you actually have and things that you can write about. This is a list that you can refer to if you want to be doing blog posts, for example, on a regular basis. Keeping a list like this going allows you to go back and say, okay, I want to write some blog posts today. What kind of topics do I have? And what you'll do is you'll start to see themes and those themes will lead to more and more ideas coming up. Um, and, you know, as you go, as things change, as, you know, the world evolves, you'll come up with more and more and more ideas and you'll start to see that list growing and it'll be easier for you to come up with more ideas. So that's sort of one thing that I advise is have a place where you write down, where you collect all of these thoughts, where you have these brilliant ideas um, and refer back to that regularly. Um, don't get in the trap, and this is a trap that a lot of writers fall into, of having a great idea and thinking to yourself, I'll remember that tomorrow, because that almost never happens. There's too much going on in the world. We have too much going on in our brains to actually hold on to those ideas. So I recommend a Word doc, but I also actually recommend having a piece of paper and a pen nearby on your bedside table, one at your desk, and maybe even one in your kitchen or your living room. And that way, when a great idea comes to you, write it down, and then the next time you're at your computer, add it into the Word doc. That is beautiful. Um, and it's it's almost like there's this myth out there of the muse, the muse who inspires you at, at all mm -hmm. times of the day. And, and you're saying, well, no, the muse can strike you at any time. The ideas can come to you at any time. Um, you need to just be there to capture it as, as it happens. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit curious about this point because it's worth exploring. A lot of our clients come to us. They say, well, I want to make a LinkedIn post. I want to write for a blog, but I don't know where good ideas come from. Is this the only process that you sort of, or not the only, because this is quite substantial in and of itself, but is this the starting point for, for all of it? Or are there other ways that people can, um, uh, you know, find the threads that they want to explore? Sure. There are other ways as well. What I recommend, though, is that it definitely depends on your goals. So if you're writing content to attract more clients and to grow your book, then you want your your content to start with your clients and with what they're talking about. If you're writing content because, say, you want to be a leader in your industry, then you're going to want to be talking more to your colleagues. You're going to be you're going to want to be reviewing the news a little bit more to see what changes there are in legislation, for example. Um, you're going to want to be on top of what's happening in the world around you so that you can start writing about that and start shaping thought and influencing ideas. So the starting point really and truly depends on what your goal is um, and, and what you want your content to do for you. And then you target your process 
based around that. But I would still say that the basic idea, taking all these ideas, writing them, storing them in one place, no matter what your goal is, is a great idea. That way, every time you sit down to write, you're not thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, what can I write about today? And staring at that blank page, hoping that an idea will strike you. So, so far we've come up with two different buckets. You've got very business development, um, marketing type of content to attract clients, to attract potential mm -hmm. uh, customers, get them through the door. And that's, that's where you're doing a deep dive on the audience. You're trying to understand their pain points and you're sort of creating content to answer those questions. We've now got a second bucket, which is about thought leadership, where you want to stand apart from your colleagues. You want to be a source of trust and ideas and all that sort of stuff. And for them, you're recommending go to the news, look at what's happening uh, outside and start commenting on that. But there's also a third bucket, and I wonder what your thoughts are on that, where people want to build a bit of a brand for themselves based on their own personal story, their own kind of journey, their own, um, uh, you know, they want to be authentic, they want to share a little bit of themselves out there. And I wonder how you would approach that bucket. Is, is that an extra bucket or is that something that permeates between these other two buckets? Sure. So I think it's kind of a hybrid of both of those. It can be its own bucket, but it, you definitely want it to permeate into the other buckets. Um, I really encourage clients, the law firms, the lawyers out there to be very authentic in their writing, to write about themselves in an authentic and genuine way, um, because that is your brand, your law firm, who you are as a lawyer. That really and truly is your brand. So the content you put out, you want it to be reflecting you your personality and sharing your stories um, because, you know, people buy from people. That's just what they do. So when they're reading about you, they do want to be hearing your story. So what I honestly recommend um, is going, sitting down and there's a list of questions that I ask clients when I start to write for them. And these are designed to get at really what their stories are and how we can start incorporating their stories into their content. And so, for example, one of the first questions that I ask, very similar to the first question you asked me, is just, how did you get here? How did you get to where you are? Why did you open your law firm? And I think what often happens too much is when people sit down, for example, say to write their own website, they'll write an about us page for their law firm. And that about us page will include like when this law firm started, if there were any important mergers or takeovers, when it started to grow, um, and the people that they help. And that's all good information to have, but it doesn't set you apart. What sets you apart is the why. Why did you do this? Why did you get involved in law? Was there a story? Did you see injustice when you were a child and it's something you wanted to solve? Have you always had a passion for helping people? Do you just love the law the way I love the law and want to share that and want to see um, how you can use the law to help other people? That's how you really connect with people is in sharing your why and your reasons for doing things. The other stuff is very mechanical, but any law firm can say just about the same thing as you. And, and I don't know that too many people out there are making a choice of who to work with based on whether they've been in business for five years or six years, or whether they've had a law firm for 25 years or 28 years. That's not usually the deciding factor for a lot of people. It's good information to have, but it's not going to be the thing that helps them make the decision to work with you. It's the other information, the why you got into things, the how you present yourself and your authentic story that helps people decide that they trust you, that they respect you, and that they want to work with you. That is beautifully concise. And I, you, you hit the nail on the head here talking about 
authenticity, the value of what people actually buy. If you look at most law firms' websites, it's you can replace the logo and you can, you know, take out the name of the firm and they all mm -hmm. pretty much sound the same. They all talk about, oh, we're all about clients, we're all innovative, we're all this, we're all that, but there's no distinguishing story or feature that sets mm -hmm. one apart from the other that helps a client or a colleague or really anyone identify that, oh, this is what these guys really care about. And mm -hmm. it, it's such a beautiful point that when you share your why, you help others connect with you. And, and this is something that we talk a lot about with our clients, with our listeners, but uh, an idea or an excuse that comes up often is that, well, I can't really talk about them because that's too personal. Mm -hmm. What will they, if they read that, then they're going to think less of me because I'm not going to appear professional. And I wonder what you would tell, um, tell our listeners uh, to that idea. Yeah, I, it's a common sentiment and I don't blame anyone for having it. Um, especially in law, I believe we've really been trained to think that lawyers are supposed to be viewed in a certain way. And they're supposed to be this, you know, stoic uh, crusader for justice, but also always highly professional, very technical using the Latin phrases and the, they're supposed to be, I think at this higher level. And, and the truth is you're not less professional. You're human. You're a lawyer, but you're a human first. And that's what people connect with. They connect with the humanity of it. And, that's what makes you interesting and different. And you can be personal without being unprofessional. And so um, one of the examples that I get, and given this is not from a lawyer, it's actually from an accountant who is a friend of mine. And, you know, accountants are very similar to lawyers. They view marketing very similarly. They tend to have the same stories and the same hangups about writing content. And so oftentimes, you know, when you ask an accountant, well, why did you become an accountant? They'll say something like, well, I was good with numbers. Um, or, you know, I like math a lot. I did well in math at school, so I thought I would go into it. And then my friend who I was talking with one day and I said to her, tell me a bit about you and why did you get into accounting? And what she said was, finances are terrifying for a lot of people. And I take that and I put them at ease. I help them understand finances because they typically don't understand, a lot of them don't understand finances and it scares them and it keeps them up at night. And I got into accounting so I could help them be less afraid. There's nothing unprofessional wow. about that. That's an amazing reason to get into an accounting. And that is an amazing reason to share with the world. And that sets you apart. It shows your human side. It shows that you understand your clients and why they're coming to you. And it shows how you help them very clearly and concisely. And as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing unprofessional about that. That is incredible. Um, that story resonates so deeply with me because that really is a fear that so many people have. Mm -hmm. And when when a lawyer is talking with, you know, say they're in immigration, they're in, uh, I don't know, uh, a personal injury type of thing, there's so much baggage that a person comes with when they mm -hmm. when they talk with that lawyer. Or even, even in a B2B sort of um, context, when an entrepreneur comes up to you, there's so much baggage that mm -hmm. they bring. There's so many anxieties and fears and all that kind of stuff they're bringing and your ability to put them at ease is an enormous asset. And you really need to talk to that and you really need to connect mm -hmm. on that level. So that is, um, I, I really want people to you know grasp that concept because it's so important. Okay, so we've established three different buckets. We've got just the, 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 the business development side of things where you're 
creating very problem-centric content. You've got the thought leadership thing, and then potentially a third bucket, which might be blended in with the first two, but a potential third bucket, which is about your own personal story, your own why, talking about that. So you, you, you're figuring that out. You've got a bunch of ideas. Now you have to sit down to write. How, do you, how does that process work? I heard a great phrase um, a while back, and I can't take credit for it, but I, I apologize. I can't remember who said it. Get an ugly draft done first. And <laughs> that is perhaps the best piece of advice on writing I've read in a long time. I think especially when you're used to academic writing, we are very used to editing as we go, wanting to get every sentence in a row done perfectly before we move on to the next sentence and wanting everything to just line up and come out beautifully in the first draft. And let me tell you, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, as a writer, most of writing is actually revising. It is getting it out there and then fixing it. So what happens is we when we try to make it perfect, we get stuck and we get writer's block and we can't think of what to say because we can't think of the perfect way to say it. And so then it just never gets done. So my advice really and truly is to set aside a space of time where your cell phone is off, where your email notifications are off. You have your list of ideas in front of you. You pick, especially if you're just starting out, pick the few that you feel like you can say the most about and the most easily or that you're the most passionate about. And then just write. Give yourself an hour maybe where you are just writing as much as you can. Do not worry about what it says. Do not worry about how coherent it is. Just get that ugly draft done. Because what that does is it gives you something to react to. When you're staring at a blank page, you have nothing to react to. You just have that fear that you have a lot of writing to do and you're not getting it out there quickly enough. Once you've got something written, then you can react to it and you can say, you know what, I like this, I don't like this, I could change this around a little bit, this paragraph needs to be moved, and then you can make it perfect. But before that, just write. If you like to do um, an outline first, you are free to do an outline first, but honestly, sometimes I even sometimes writing an outline first, I know we all learned that in school, do the outline first, sometimes that can help you frame your thoughts. For some people, though, that's a little too limiting. Then they start to worry about where their paragraphs need to go and how they're going to do it. So whatever format works best for you, with an outline, without an outline, just get something on paper because that will make the process so much easier for you. That is excellent. And I, I know from my own personal experience, free writing, just mm -hmm. edit, writing without any editing at all has been enormously liberating because now you have a even if it's complete trash and it mm -hmm. usually isn't trash, there's always a nugget there that you can salvage and kind of, you know, polish into something that becomes um, something interesting, useful, mm -hmm. et cetera. But it, it's always been a liberating experience and it, it feels good to have, to not be looking at a blank sheet of paper. And this isn't yeah. just an anxiety of, of, you know, lawyers writing. This is an anxiety that every author, every writer has this fear of a mm -hmm. blank page. And what you're saying is that let's overcome it with writing something, anything, just throw it out there. Absolutely. And, you know, as you write, more ideas will come to you. That's typically how it works. And that's what most people have also expressed to me. It's just getting started and that worry about it being perfect right off the bat. And it's never, it's almost never perfect right off the bat. And it shouldn't be. That's not how we work as human beings. So just get the ideas out there. Um, and, you know, oftentimes when I take 
uh, draft to clients, I'll say to them, this is for you to react to because they're in a very similar situation. Oftentimes I'll meet with them and I'll have questions for them and they'll say, well, I don't really know for sure what I want. I don't know. I'm not really sure how I want this to look or how I want this to go. And so I will just write something and I will say, this is a first draft, but it's for you to react to because often it's in the reacting to what you read that you figure out what you really want to say. And so just getting that draft out there, just getting it done is a great way to get yourself started and sort of put to bed any of that anxiety about needing it to be great right off the bat, because it doesn't. Nobody's going to read that first draft except for you. Nobody else even needs to know it exists. It's for your eyes only. I like that. <laughs> right. So you're, you're, you've written that first draft. Um, what happens next? What am I editing? How am I thinking about it? Uh, do I share it with a friend and get their feedback? What's What do you think is the next step? Absolutely. So yeah, if you have someone you trust, get a friend to read it over. When I write, I typically work with an editor as well. Um, someone who might be a little bit outside the industry, especially if I'm writing something for a general audience. So if you're a lawyer, um, you know, maybe don't have a lawyer read it over. You can have a lawyer read it over, but me, if your audience are people who aren't lawyers, you might want someone who's not a lawyer to read it over to say, you know what, I don't understand this phrase. I don't understand this word. I don't understand what this means. They can help you see it through your audience's eyes. So typically when you've got the first draft done, I recommend walking away from it for a couple of days if you can. Um, because what that does is it allows you to look at it again with fresh eyes rather than with all that, with that same brain that just got all of those ideas down on paper quickly and in a hurry. Um, you kind of need to take a step back, give your brain a bit of a break from it. And that also allows you to actually process what you've written and maybe some more ideas come to you in that interim. So then when you go back, I recommend just reading through it, seeing if the um, seeing if what you've written has sort of a logical flow, see if it's understandable. Um, if you've used a lot of technical language and your audience isn't technical, see if you can replace that language. If you've used a lot of Latin, for example, and this is marketing material, try and remove the Latin if you can. Um, look for cohesion or cohesiveness in what you've written. Share it with somebody else. Share it with a partner at a firm if you need to, or a friend, a trusted advisor, someone who you are okay with reading your work and you are okay with taking comments and feedback from. And then from there, just start revising it until you've got something that you feel confident putting out there and sharing with the world. And this is an important point because at the editing phase is where a lot of people start taking out <clears throat> their personality, their authentic, their authentic voice, their own personal stories, all that kind of stuff, because they start thinking that, oh, I can't really talk about that. So this goes back to the point you were talking about before, which is protecting that authentic voice. And this is a good low risk way for you to test out if it's connecting with people or not. So when you hand away this draft to your spouse, your buddy, your partner, whatever you want to, wherever it is, leave that part that you're a little bit afraid of and see mm -hmm. how they respond to it. Because you might be surprised at them loving that part the most sometimes. And that that's certainly been the case many times. Like, okay, you have a bunch of you know, Q&A, you have a bunch of problems and, and things that you're answering, but all of a sudden you've got a personal story in there and that is what makes the idea real. It what makes the idea mm -hmm. come alive. And so leave that part in and see how they respond. So if you're if you're afraid to take that first step in being authentic and you know sharing your own personal story, your own why, this is a low risk way for you to get started. Yeah, absolutely it is. And I think I do advise, you know, 
when you're doing these blog posts, when you're doing the LinkedIn posts, when you're writing for yourself, see if there's a way, if you can challenge yourself to include something personal in everything that you're writing. And it doesn't have to be a personal story about, oh, when I was growing up and my grandpa told me this and it stayed with me my whole life. That is an amazing personal story to share, but they don't always have to be just you. A personal story can be, we had a client come in who needed help with this and here's how we helped her. And this is how it relates to what I'm writing about. And what that does is it allows your readers to identify with your clients and see themselves in your client base. It allows them to relate to what you've written. And it allows, as you said, them to see the real world consequences and the real world impacts of what you're writing about. And that's what really helps you to engage with your audience. This is, a, I want to focus on that a little bit more. And it goes back to something you said at, at the beginning of this call. The point of these pieces of content that you're putting out there is to get elicit some sort of response back from people. And this idea of a call to action, this, this idea mm -hmm. of you know marketing language is somewhat alien to our listeners. Do you mind explaining um, what it means to write with the intention of eliciting action or a response back? Yeah, so whenever you're writing a piece, it's very rare that you're writing not to have someone take some form of action on it. It's very rare that you're putting something out there and thinking, I just hope people read this. Typically, you want people to read it and then also do something with it. So when you're writing pieces like that, you need to make sure you connect with them. You need to make sure that they understand what they're reading. They understand what your message is and what your intent is. Then you also need to make sure that they understand what you want them to do next. And so what you want your piece to do is lead up to a conclusion or to an ending that ultimately states, these are the steps that I'd like you to take next. You don't have to phrase it like that, obviously, and we've all seen different calls to action out there. But what you want to do in your piece is make it clear what steps you want the reader to take next once they're finished reading this particular document. So you might want them to call you when they're done reading the document. If you've read this and these things apply to you, call me so you know we can determine how I can best help you. If you're moving them along more of a marketing funnel, if you're more about nurturing leads long-term, you might say, if you'd like to read more of my content, here's a link to sign up for my blog, or here's a link to sign up for my newsletter. Whatever it is that you want them to do next, be clear about that when you're doing your writing, and that makes it easier for you to be clear with them about what you'd like them to do next. Got it. All right, so you, thank you for clarifying that. All right, so you, you, you've figured out the audience, you know your pain points, you've figured out your bucket of category you wanna write in, you've done your right, you, you've, you've done the first draft, you've, done, you've shared it with someone, you've done the editing, what comes next? Do you just did publish? Um, are you, how are you promoting this piece once it's finished? Yeah, so definitely you wanna get it out there for everyone else to see so it can work for you. So you wanna publish it, whether that's on your blog, whether that's on a LinkedIn post, um, whether that's in a newsletter. And then, yeah, you want to you want to publicize it. So you want to mention it on social media. Um, typically, a lot of the clients that I work with are on LinkedIn. That tends to be where they're meeting their clients as well. So you want to share it on the social media, on your um, with your networks. Um, you want to let clients know about it if they haven't signed up. If you have permission to send them emails and let them know about the content you're putting out, let them know about it. Um, 
publicize it as much as you can so that people can come, they can read it, they can find it. Um, you're going to want to make sure that once it's posted, if you run your own website, that it has some search engine optimization in there. So some keywords so you can be found. Um, there are a lot of debates about how important keywords are and how vital search engine optimization is. I tend to think when you're starting out, use it, but don't focus too heavily on it. Get more used to writing and putting content out there first and then start to worry about that other stuff a little more later. Um, but definitely let people know that it's out there and tell people about it. Tell new clients who come in about the blog that you're writing. Make sure people know about your website and um, get as many eyes on it as you can. That is perfect because a lot of people think that, okay, I made a post, I put it on LinkedIn, and now the world is going to come to my door. You know, if, <laughs> if, you build, they, if you build it, they will come. And certainly that's a great place to start. Start writing, start creating. But then don't just leave it at that. Actually be doing some active promotion. Send it to your email list. Send it to your clients. Um, share it with people. Tag people on LinkedIn. Let them know mm -hmm. that, hey, I wrote this. What are your thoughts? Uh, and elicit that sort of response from people so that there's, uh, it's much more likely to get a bit of traction and get some attention. And that's, that's the reason why we write, right? Like it's not meant to exist just in the ether. It's meant to elicit action and response. So it's all sort of tying in together. Um, and that actually leads on to the next phase, which might be too much for such a short podcast, but measurement, you know, like which pieces did, did well, which pieces could have done better. Um, and I wonder how you would guide people in thinking about the measurement, the, the success metrics about a piece of content. Sure. Well, one of the first things that I say to people is, um, and this sort of ties into what you were saying previously, especially if you're just starting no piece is going to, it's very rare that a piece is ever going to bring in tons and tons and tons of readers right off the bat. It's a, it's more of a long-term strategy. You need to start putting out content. The more content you put out, the more people will come to your blog and to your site and to, and to read about you and learn about you. And so you really want to be thinking about things long-term. Um, so if you put something up and you don't have, you know, five, 600 views in the first day, don't worry about it. You want to keep promoting, you want to keep writing, because these are the sorts of things that build up and they grow. And so some of the metrics that I would use, you know, there are things like Google Analytics, there are tools you can use to see how many people are reading it. You want to pay attention in the long term. And, and also, I, you know, don't look at it, you know, they say people looking at their stocks and they look at them every day and sometimes every hour and the ride the roller coaster of the ups and downs. Don't do that with your content either. If you're looking every hour, to see how many people are reading your blog in a particular time, you're spending way too much time on it and you're gonna drive yourself crazy. So I would say just check in on it um, maybe in a week or two and see how it's doing and then start to revise uh, your process as well. Um, but you know there are tools you can use to measure your readership, to measure where people are moving on the funnel. If you've asked people, for example, if you sent them a newsletter, you can see using their analytic, analytics, how many people have opened the newsletter, how many people have actually clicked on the link that's provided in the newsletter, and then how many people are clicking on further links and moving down the marketing funnel. Um, so those can all tell you information about what is and isn't working in your posts, where people are and aren't uh, connecting with you. On LinkedIn, you can see how many people are seeing your post, and then you can track how many people are clicking on it and reading it. You can see how long people are spending on your page. So if they're spending 10 seconds reading your post, you know that they're not reading it. They're probably just 
glancing at the title and maybe looking at the headers in there and then moving on. So you might want to rethink a little bit about how you're writing. But definitely when you're getting started, I say don't worry too much about the analytics. Just start getting content out there. And once you've built up a base of content, then start focusing more on the analytics and on refining your process and refining what you're doing. Because if you start to worry about the analytics too much at first, you're just going to become overwhelmed. You're going to become paralyzed and you're not going to put anything out there. This is a really good point because a lot of people, a lot of social media marketers and digital marketers focus way too much on the analytics. And there's obviously a time and space for that. But if you're just starting out, then the good place to start is just write, edit, put good stuff out there. And the overall point that you made that think of it as a long-term strategy. Think of it as something that pays off over weeks, over months, not something that gives you a client right here and now, although that might happen. And it certainly has happened for you know some of our clients and certainly with your clients as well. Um, but think of it as a be patient with it. Sometimes mm -hmm. a person read a piece of, might read an article. They might read an article over a month, over six months, over a year. They might read multiple posts and then become ready to buy from you. So people buy from you at different times based on different reasons in their own personal life. But as long as you keep coming up with good content and and they keep reading it at a certain point, they'll they'll want to take the next step. And that's what you're really playing for. So uh, content can be an important and vital strategy that just sits there. You know, good piece of content can just sit on your blog for years and mm. you know, five years down the line, an article you wrote years ago pays off because someone searches for it. They read it and they're like, oh, let me read the other post by this person. And all of a sudden they connect with your brand, your story, your, your helpful posts, and they're ready to buy from you. So it's such a, there are few pieces of, of uh, marketing that you can do, which has such a high payoff, like content. And, and I wonder what you'd say about the value of content overall in your marketing kind of mix. Exactly. And I think I so agree with you. And I mean, I'm a little bit biased being a writer, um, but I think what we're used to still is, traditional advertising where people look at something they you know a company can say we released this ad and we saw sales increase exponentially as soon as the ad was released and then people look at their content and they think well I released a blog post how come my sales didn't go up you know a hundred percent in the following two weeks and and that's not necessarily what it's designed to do your content is out there and it guess what it gets to stay out there for as long as you've got it out there so as you said, somebody you could post it in March and somebody might not come across it until April or May or even the following year. But it's always there and it's always working for you. And it's findable by your audience when they need to read it, when they're looking for it. You're not pushing it in front of them at a time when it's meaningless to them. And in the law, that happens a lot. People don't search for lawyers until they need a lawyer or until they have a legal question. So having legal content in front of them when they don't have a legal question will do nothing for you. It won't help them at all. It's about them finding you when they need you. And that's what content really does. It positions you to be in a place where they find you when they need you. And then you can have as much content as you want or as you feel you need to show them your expertise. So they read one blog post by you. They find that you're knowledgeable. Guess what? They've still got a base of, or they've got a bank of other articles that you've written that they can now go to to read, to further understand you, to learn more about you and your process, and to see how you help people. And they can do it when they need to do it and when they want to do it. 
they can do it at their pace and then they can reach out to you as opposed to, you know, just coming across an ad on TV where they get a phone number quickly, they need to write it down and then they need to call you right away. This is actually a process that is much more geared to your clients, to your prospects, to people and to consumers making purchases and making decisions as they need to and when they feel ready and comfortable to. And that's a great thing because what that means is then the people who are phoning you are more qualified leads. They are more likely to make a decision to go with you because they've already got a lot of information about you before they've ever even talked to you. Of course, you know, the ideas that we're talking about are, they seem basic, but the, the trick or the real magic of this is in the doing of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I wonder as we kind of finish off this podcast, what are, are, are there, you know, any missing tips or, or any tips or tricks that they could be doing throughout this process to, I guess, get the best mileage for their, uh, the best bang for your buck, so to speak? Yeah, I, the first thing that I recommend is uh, lawyers, like writers, are used to working to deadlines. So give yourself a deadline. Uh, don't just say, I will get some blog posts up or I'll write some content when I have time to do it. Make it a priority and give yourself a deadline to do it um, because that makes it a lot more likely that you'll do it. Um, and again, when you're sitting down, turn off your inside editor. When you're sitting down to write that post, just write. Just get as much down on paper as you can. Do not worry about how it looks. Get that ugly first draft out there and then worry about revising. But just get something on paper and that will help you a lot. Be consistent. Make sure you are posting, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's doing newsletters, blog posts, whatever. When you're doing your content, be consistent about it. Um, That gets you in the habit of doing it. And it allows your readers to sort of come to expect that they will receive content from you on certain days at a certain time in certain intervals. And don't be afraid to be personal and share an authentic side of you. Talk about why you are a lawyer. Talk about why you got into law or why you got into the career you did. Talk about what you love about what you do. That is very engaging. People want to know that, they, that, that they're coming to someone who loves what they're doing. And they're, I'm hoping, that there is something about the law or about helping people that you love. So share that, share your enthusiasm and your passion for what you do. And that will help people really engage with you. Um, Don't be afraid to be authentic and genuine and share your stories. And one of the things that I often recommend is this, if you find yourself saying something that a hundred other lawyers could say exactly the same way, then find a different way to share it. So for example, if you find yourself writing something like, I go the extra mile for clients, you know, a hundred other people out there could say that and they wouldn't have to change that phrasing at all. So share a story about a time you went the extra mile, share a story that illustrates the thing that makes you different, that you want to highlight for people. And that's what will help you to stand out from everybody else out there. And of course, the other pro tip here is to work with an expert or a pro like Heidi. So if people want to learn more about you or, you know, if they want to work with you, what is the best way of getting a hold of you? And in what circumstances are you best positioned to help them out? Sure. So what I love doing is I love doing um, thought leadership, blog posts, white papers and case studies and website material. Um for lawyers and law firms and legal software as a service companies. Um, 
I have a website, HeidiTurner.ca, and that's Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R.ca. Um, people can definitely go on there, read a little bit more about me. My specialty, like I said, is in the legal industry. Um, and what I can do is I can help you come up with a strategy for doing your marketing. I can help you talk talk through some of the writing processes, if that's what you want to get into, um, and help you find a more authentic way to connect with and engage your target audience and you know, generate qualified leads. Beautiful. It was an ex it was excellent having you. I think there are so many more topics to get into. Um, you know, there's all this analytics stuff. There's also a lot of stuff about the the craft of actually writing it. How do you mm -hmm. actually you know, have the, the writing connect with the audience? How do you write in plain English? I mean, there's so much more that we could go into. So we'd definitely like to have you on again. But thank you so much for joining us on this call. And you know, to to Heidi's point about getting a bit of extra help, definitely check her out. We'll put her the link to her website on our show notes. We'll put a link to her LinkedIn on our show notes. But if you want a bit of extra help with branding, much overall branding and figuring out how to a way of building an authentic business development practice, consider signing up for the Build Your Book Academy. We're starting in October. We'd love to have you on. So there are still a couple of spots left open. So you're more than welcome to sign up right on our website. That's buildyourbook.org slash academy. Heidi, it was a pleasure having you on, and we can't wait to do another conversation about these topics later. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure being here and speaking with you. You've been listening to the Build Your Book podcast. For show notes of this episode and previous episodes, go to buildyourbook.org slash podcast. Our mission is to change the culture of law practice with these conversations. Please help us in this by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and help us get these ideas to more listeners by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. It takes less than 30 seconds and helps us bring on more great guests for you. Thanks for listening. Take care.